Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths three times a week in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. This is Season 5, Episode 52, Six Powerful Ways to Love Yourself After Narcissistic Abuse and Find Your Soulmate. Hey guys, I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking, brought to you from Podcast One. Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words. Do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know? We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked. So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast. Please, please don't leave me. I'll do anything. Don't walk away, I pleaded. Lance replied, look at you. You're pathetic. He turned and walked down the shore. I curled up into a ball on my knees in the sand, sobbing as if I'd lost him forever. Bottom of the Barrel In the middle of the night, On a romantic trip as newlyweds, Lance was again disappointed in my performance in the bedroom. In reality, his extraordinary expectations were not met yet again. We were drunk, partying, and my tiny body couldn't stay alert enough. The adrenaline of him leaving me and hating me woke me up quickly. I was lost, beyond all psychological belief. He was my whole world. I was isolated from my friends and family. I focused all my energies and attention onto him, on my knees, on the shore in Tahiti. In the middle of the night, I had reached the bottom of my barrel. I had nothing left to give, no other ways to fix this, and my soul was numb. As I begged for forgiveness and for him to not leave me, I felt utterly hopeless and abandoned by the only person I had in my life. After I sobbed for a while on the shore, I drug myself back to the porch of our suite on the beach. This place should have brought us happiness and laughter, but all it did was hold space for our toxic, codependent patterns. That night, I gave up. A part of myself died, and I wanted to finish my body off and drown myself and vodka. I attempted to finish the whole bottle so I could end my suffering once and for all. What is the point of living anymore? He doesn't love me, and I can never keep him happy. I can't fix our problem, I thought. This was it. This was the end, and I had nothing to lose. I reached my lowest point because I valued his approval over my own life. He was right. I was pathetic. 
I had fallen from grace, abandoned my family and friends, allowed myself to be sucked into this toxic pattern and the confident leader that I once was. I ignored all the signs that I was in a toxic relationship, and I put my worth into this one person's hands. I didn't value my own opinion. I didn't have the courage to believe anyone but him, and my mind was all twisted up and confused. I wanted to die, to fade into the ocean and end this insanity. I did the best drinking that I could before I passed out on the porch. I believed the lies in my head and that he fed me, and what he said to me brought me to a place I never thought I would ever be. I drank and I drank all alone while I waited for his return. I drank past the point of nausea, and somehow I passed out. I was ready to die on that porch. I woke the next day with the biggest nauseating hangover I would have ever experienced and the last one to experience in my life. That was my first and last attempt. Page 88 in the Empath and Narcissist book. There are six ways that I have to share with you on how to heal and love yourself after narcissistic abuse and to attract your soulmate. And I'm gonna share with you how I did it Everything here is firsthand. It is not just some theory. This is something you can do with the power of dedication, perseverance, and believing in yourself. The very first one is to stop believing their words. Their words are full of lies. So in order for you to gain clarity, and to find yourself again and to love yourself and to heal, essentially shake the craziness out of your head, is to stop believing their words. The best way to stop believing their words is essentially to stop receiving them. If at all possible, stop talking to them. If you're living with them, you don't need to continue to engage in the toxic conversations that they start you can detach from that. You can answer in very short, quick words. You could also just completely ignore them and have headphones in and pretend you don't hear them until you can find yourself a way to get out. But really, every single word that comes out of their mouth, understand that it is a selfish, self-serving motivation. It's not for your good. True NPD is never speaking for someone else's good. They're only speaking for their own good, for their own receiving of whatever they want, for the end goal of whatever their agenda is. So stop believing their words. As an empath, I know it's very hard to do. I get it. So this is why lessening the times you interact with them is best finding time to go with yourself out on a walk or with a trusted friend speaking to a therapist being able to talk it out with someone who is not in the situation who also is healthy is very important to realize that what they're saying is not lining up with their actions and what they're saying is manipulative and it's controlling and it's abusive. 
And the only way is to get yourself essentially out of the forest. You know that phrase, you can't see the forest for the trees? You are in the thick of it. You are in the narcissist's fog. So the best way to see clearly is to get out of the fog. I know, you're like, which way do I go? I don't know, this is really difficult. And it's very confusing. I don't know which way is up or down. But all I can say is that it's like grabbing a hand when you're in the quicksand. All you need is one. So finding a trusted friend, a therapist, this podcast to help you out of the quicksand. And in the next episode, I'm happy to cover what the lies are so I can, again, make sure that I'm educating you on what are the phrases, what are the lies, what are the words that a narcissist says versus somebody who just really has your best intentions in their hearts. Number two, I'll move on to number two and I'll make that episode next week for you. Number two is watch their actions. Again, they're going to sell you everything with their words, but then they're not going to follow through. They promise vacations. They promise the world. You know, mine did, you know, what's interesting is you also want to watch what they follow through on, right? So mine did promise me that he would make better efforts to be a better husband at the very end right after this trip and all the stuff and I believed him I wanted to believe him I wanted to see the good in him I wanted to see the potential that he would change and so I kept on holding on and it was just a a sinking anchor however he did follow through with a particular action to disguise and I guess take the lazy way out and he you know to this day he will say that he was Whatever, he did a great job, he did the best he could, and all this stuff. But there was so much pain and turmoil for so many years before that, it was just like a easy cover-up. So this action, I'm trying to get to the story, the point of my story is, this action he did was he bought me flowers every month. And I thought, like, that's a good step. That's a great step in the the right direction. We were meeting together in couples therapy (coughs) with my parents, which was not professional, not appropriate. And it worked for him because he knew that it really was just a Band-Aid that fixed it. And I remember my manager, she just was an observer. And I, I told her, I was like, see, he's working on it. He's delivering me flowers every month to work. And oh my God, her expression was like so classic. She was not excited at all. She was like, mm-hmm. She was very skeptical. She didn't smile. She didn't frown. She didn't say anything judgmental, but she didn't say anything like, oh, I think all she said was, we'll see if he keeps it up. You know, it was like something like that because she had witnessed me quietly for years suffering, coming to work hungover, coming to work crying, just like always stressed out. And so she saw the pattern of how this person was really abusive uh, and just, she was just like, I don't believe it, right? So you need someone like that in your corner who sees through the BS, even if it's an action, right? So it might not always be that they're neglecting you all the time. This is what's difficult about the narcissist. They know the game. So you have to look deeper into their action. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I was like, oh yeah, all he had to do was do a one-time click, set up an automatic flowers delivery through flowers.com, and he didn't have to think about it anymore. And that's exactly what he did. So it's just watch their actions. Is this truly intentional? Did he go to the farmer's market? 
and get it for me? Is he helping me clean up? Is he helping me do the laundry? Is he helping me do the grocery shopping? Is he starting to pitch in? Honestly, I didn't even care if he did that. As long as he just heard me and he heard my emotions versus putting me down and ignoring my emotions and always saying that I was not good enough, right? It was always this thing in bed and not excited than this. And you got to wear high heels. You got to do this better and this better and make sure you always have your nails done and all these like perfect expectations to perform. That's not a real relationship. That's not real love. You love the person just as they are. So that's the action, right? Those are the actions of always criticizing you, always putting you down, always neglecting you when you really need them. I've heard so many stories of people who've ended up in the hospital or their child was in the hospital or they were sick or whatever, an emergency. When you really need them, they never show up. They're not there. They never show up because it's all about numero uno and that's them. That's their selves, not you. It's not hard to sacrifice a little bit of time, especially when someone's in dire straits, to be there for you, to hear you. You know, my very last moment of knowing that in his actions that he didn't truly love me, that he just wasn't ever going to change, was when I came back from a trip. I was so happy. I was so relaxed. I spent so much time away from him. (laughs) I guess maybe he resented that. I was just like, came back this bubbly me again. And I was surrounded by family and healthy couples. And I saw really how a healthy couple should act. And I didn't even talk about that. Honestly, I just was like, I just had a really great time. You know, I was sharing about my trip and it was so much fun and it was relaxing. And oh my gosh, it was so fun to be around all these kids because they had a bunch of kids and how wonderful they were. You know, they're not so bad as you think they are. And it's like, boom, he just went into it. I didn't ask for kids, but he's like, he knew it was coming. He wanted to like preempt it. And instead of reiterating back to me that he heard me, that's great. I'm so happy that you enjoyed your trip. He just went in about like, oh my gosh, they're horrible people and they're breeders and look what they're doing to the earth. And oh my gosh, they're so irresponsible. And I was like, I have to go to the bathroom because I was going to literally have a meltdown right there at the table because I realized he wasn't going to ever hear me. He wasn't going to actually acknowledge how I felt ever. He wasn't going to acknowledge how I felt. And so I, yeah, I broke down and I was sobbing in the bathroom. Thank God no one else was in there. I've been so embarrassing because then I have to explain myself. And it's like, how do you explain 10 years of emotional abuse to somebody, some stranger in the bathroom? And so I pulled myself together and I knew it. I I had this resolve in my head. I said, he's never going to hear me. He's never going to see me, hear me, or love me how I need. And that was my wake-up call. And then thankfully there was another wake-up call where he slapped me in the face. And I was like, well, now it's really sealed the deal. I'm finding a safe space to live. And we're going to go and work on our, our relationship through marriage counseling. And then he went and he cheated on me or tried to cheat on me with my sister. And I was like, oh, for sure. Yeah, now I'm filing the divorce papers. And it all happened within like a week or two. Like it was like boom, 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 boom. Thank you, universe, for all these beautiful signs that he is the ultimate narcissistic a-hole. Like, I appreciate that. Now I'm done. And then to kind of talk about the soulmate and my story, 
Now, this part is not going to always work out for everybody. I want to say, like, I feel super, super lucky, and it also could have gone bad really quickly for me, was two weeks later, I met my current partner, who I really, truly feel is a soulmate. I think we have multiple soulmates, but is really a soulmate here to take care of me and love me and help me. However, I met him literally two weeks after I filed for divorce, and he actually helped me file the papers, um, which then went awry and then whatever. Like, complicated life gets complicated. And therefore, <laughs> he, like, took me out on a first date. This The second day we met, he we were talking on the phone all the time, and he, you know, picked me up in his car, and he took me to, uh, I had like a job to do, which I'm grateful he took me, even though he was also a stranger. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, if I was my mother, I would be like awake all night worrying about me. So I'm on this first date with this new guy, right? A stranger who could have been another narcissist because I was so like open and ready to move on. I do believe that my vibe was really high. So I had a high vibe and we're like hit it off. And he took me to a... Um, on a boat for this I was designing somebody's yacht but this guy was also single and he was alone and oh my god it was like he was already looking out for me the first date so we go to the yacht and he stands on the the deck of the yacht to make sure that he's like just there because I was like it did sense a little bit strange of going onto this yacht to show this guy carpets for his boat and it just felt weird like that could have been that could have gone bad really quickly too so all of this to say you can find your soulmate when you're in high vibe it can also go bad very quickly so it's important to first love yourself see I kind of did my healing journey in reverse like I would advise you not to find somebody to be with love yourself first on your own if by chance your vibe is high, you meet someone and they are not showing signs that they are narcissists, then yes, you can heal in an, another relationship. Yes. So I, I don't know if I would use me as an exact role model. So I'm going to go through how to love yourself now that you're out, now that you've seen the truth of the narcissist, now that you are ready to, to heal, is you're going to love yourself. So how do you love yourself? How, like, how do you even start? Where do you even begin with all this? Number one is it's really important to make sure you know to yourself, you say to yourself, it is safe to be in this body. Because I think so many times as empaths, we don't feel safe in our body because we've had so many different repeated scenarios in life where things just went bad. Like it just feels unsafe to even just be. And so I loved the affirmation. It is safe to be in this body. I think I also said before that I am a divine source of light. It is safe to be in this body because it's important to remind yourself that you're not just this body. You are a divine source of light and you're here in this body for a reason and it is safe. I think with us, with childhood trauma and emotional abuse, it feels really unsafe in our body. We are literally hyped up in this survival mode chronically, right? You have CPTSD. And just to remind yourself that it is safe to be in this body, you are out of this abusive relationship. You are out of the trauma. You are out of that feeling of just wanting to end it all. 
it's now safe to be in this body. It always has been safe to be in this body, but you were in a very toxic scenario where you weren't even in a safe environment, if that makes sense. Now, I also love the second self-love tip is to meditate. I love it so much I became a meditation teacher because it helps you connect to your higher self. It helps you calm your nerves. It helps you with so much. It actually changes your brain chemistry. And it's important because, like I just said, you are in constant survival mode. Your brain has CPTSD. And so if you can connect to your higher self, if you can tap into your breath and reduce the inflammation that this abuse has caused in your brain, which you can do through meditation, that is going to help you tremendously because you won't always be in survival mode. Your ego won't be like turned on and your stress levels won't be turned on all the time. So therefore there'll be less outbursts. You'll have less panic attacks. You'll have less anxiety. Like life will just feel so much more peaceful. And it sounds really silly and magical, but it's true. If you could just take five minutes of your day, close your eyes, breathe in. And just last Saturday on the podcast, I posted the Empath Aura Protection Shielding Meditation. Just practice that just to start because that's what you need. You need to build up your your armor while still allowing your light to shine through and focus in on grounding to Mother Earth, connecting up to the divine source and having that bubble surround you. Truly, honestly, that will give you so much peace and protection and calm your nerves. And if you do that daily, just like you brush your teeth, you're going to feel such a stronger sense of calm and confidence within yourself. Speaking of calm, confident, and relaxed, that's one of the phrases that I use in EFT tapping, which is the third of the self-love practices that I've used and are all throughout my book. So at the end of each chapter in this book, Empath and Narcissist, are healing exercises that I've personally used. EFT tapping is emotional freedom technique. You're tapping gently on certain acupressure points on your body and you're repeating phrases. And what you're actually doing is you're holding space for the fear and the stress. EFT is amazing. Just like meditation, it will calm you metaphysically down, not just mentally, but metaphysically. Number four is placing your empath aura protection shield up. However, I just talked about that in the meditation. So I kind of incorporated four into two. The reason the empath aura shield is really important, like I said, it's like a spiritual hygiene and it's like brushing your teeth. So if you practice this daily, you develop a stronger sense of filter, right? You're putting up your screen or you're locking your back door, whatever you need to do in your empath zones, right? We all have different areas in our charts of where we're empathic and the human design chart. So you're, each time you practice your empath aura shielding up, you are closing that back door. You are essentially like securing your energetic house and saying no more toxic narcissist in the house, no more energy vampires, but you still, it's glass, right? So you still can shine your light out and you can still see what's happening. 
but you're guarding your aura, which is so important for empaths. Number five is diffuse essential oil that you love. Now, I always have a diffuser behind me as I'm recording and on all my meetings and everything, and particularly one that our guest, she'll be coming up soon, Madhvi Mather. She is an emotion code practitioner, and she, she helps you tap into your subconscious. And my subconscious said, in order for abundance and easy workflow is to use wintergreen essential oil. We all have something. For mine particularly, it's wintergreen, which I think is funny because it smells like that trident wintergreen gum, like it's actually wintergreen. And I was like, oh my gosh, this smells so good. This reminds me of the happy memories I had at my aunt's house as a child. And my whole family thinks it's disgusting and gross. So I love that it's unique for each of us. So find an essential oil that you love, that resonates with you, and diffuse it. That's a beautiful way to self-love and self-care. And our last one that I will say is kind of a funny one, but I think it's like the biggest win once you're free from the narcissist. And I was joking with another friend about this, is you have control over the TV. You can hold the remote control. This is a form of self-love. Don't feel guilty about watching whatever you want on TV or Netflix. Whatever you want. You want to watch a horror film and your narcissist hated those? Watch away. You want to watch a reality TV show and your narcissist hated those? Watch away. Like guilt-free pleasures are the whole, like literally are the foundation of your healing from narcissistic abuse because you're erasing their conditioning. You're erasing their opinion from your life because honestly, their opinion doesn't matter. Their opinion is theirs, no matter who they are. Narcissist, normal person, super op opinionated person. Like we all have our own individual lives and opinions are opinions for a reason. So those are the six ways to start out by loving yourself and healing from narcissistic abuse and maybe a few different tactics on how to, to attract your soulmate. It's all about raising your vibration. I would not recommend doing it as soon as I did. However, I'm very grateful and it really would never change anything about my funny story about how I met my current husband, <laughs> which I didn't, I wasn't. I was not expecting to meet anybody. I had zero radars. I didn't want to date for like years because I was so done with my narcissist. And I guess that's how it happened, right? I wasn't looking, I wasn't pushing, I wasn't searching. I just wanted to be me. And I was high vibing just like me. And when I met him, I hadn't washed my hair. My hair was a mess. I had only even think I showered that morning because I woke up straight to go to work with the horses. I had a horse at the time and I had no makeup on. I was in my horse grungy clothes. And yeah, when he saw me, he was expecting this like middle-aged woman and I was expecting a middle-aged woman. And when he saw me, he was like, oh damn, she's hot. <laughs> and I was like, not sure what to do. I was like, uh-oh, should I like reschedule or find someone else to come up with me? Cause I didn't realize he was a guy. And I was like, oh, I don't wanna put myself in harm's way. But then I immediately, I felt comfortable. I felt like he was an old sweater. He at all was not. 
did not feel weird or unsafe at all. And I just, I guess I went with my gut and my intuition mainly just to make sure he wasn't like a weirdo, <laughs> psycho guy, you know. Um, but he was great. No, he's been amazing ever since. And so we all can connect with a healthy partner after narcissistic abuse. You can definitely see me as a witness to that, as a role model. And it all is about self-love. And it's through raising your vibration. The most powerful thing that you can do for yourself in healing and finding a soulmate that is healthy is to embrace your uniqueness and embrace who you are and to let go and release all of the conditioning and the manipulation and the lies that you've once experienced. That's it. And you can release that through every full moon ritual, which I have if you join the Empath Healing Community, I give to you. And you can release through meditation, journaling, so many other, EFT tapping, all the things I just shared with you here. It's quite interesting. When you work on your self-love exercises, you actually are also releasing the conditioning and the negativity and the toxicness of the narcissist at the same time. So that is my best advice to you on how to break free from the narcissist and the powerful ways that you can heal and implement self-love after experiencing narcissistic abuse. Tune into this Sunday's episode with our guest, JC Nerdoff. We are going to be talking about the seven strategies for reclaiming your power back after narcissistic abuse. JC is a certified life coach who guides driven women to achieve health, wealth, happiness, and fulfillment through connecting to themselves. You definitely don't want to miss this. It's going to be another powerful one. See you Sunday. If you want personal help in gaining clarity, your authentic power back, and healing to be rid of the narcissist for good, join our empath community and receive sparkle reminder inspiration every Saturday and strategies to heal from narcissist abuse. Plus, get your free human design chart summary and free 20-minute support call with me. As soon as you're in, I'll gift you your human design reading with your type, strategy, and inner authority. So join now and get your reading within 24 hours. How do you know you're on the right path? The healing journey is unique to each person, and it takes one baby step at a time. The truth about narcissists, journal ritual, EFT tapping, mirror work, connect with your healed ancestor, Ho'oponopono prayer, dealing with difficult people meditation, gratitude journal, and human design 101. These are just some of the few tools that I have included in the Empath and Narcissist book, A Healing Guide with Spiritual Exercises. I am over here on the other side of the deep, dark cavern abyss that you're facing right now, of the unknown. I'm here waving, cheering you on to take your next right step to the other side. And one of those steps is to educate yourself and gain all the healing tools that have helped me cross my own bridge 
to the other side and have a life full of abundance and love and peace away from the narcissist. You can find my book on Amazon and listen on Audible today. I'm so grateful for you listening, finding the show, and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose? What do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need What you need We're broken, it's tragic, we're not all elastic, but maybe there's magic, believe you could have it. You know, navigating the triggers and the stress and the PTSD after trauma and after narcissistic abuse, it's especially challenging. It's a challenging journey. And I personally can attest that I have gone through this. Your well-being is the utmost importance for your healing journey, for you, for your children. And I wanted to create a workshop for you based off of an experience I recently had that I've created this healing process for myself to somatically clear out all of the stress from the triggers within my own body. So here are the deets on this workshop I've just created. It is somatic healing and it involves reconnecting with your body to release the stored tension, emotions, and trauma. I will guide you through exercises and techniques to help you ground yourself, to manage your stress, and to reclaim a sense of control over your well-being and energy. You don't want to miss this opportunity to grab this free workshop and to take charge of your healing process. You will get somatic healing exercises that you'll have in your back pocket for all times, including somatic trauma release shaking, active aura breathing, reciting a releasing mantra, releasing from your hips, grounding meditation. I do an energetic sage cleansing ceremony and a powerful healing mantra to have for your protection and empowerment and to claim your power back. So join me and let's move towards a future filled with resilience, joy, and inner peace. Grab your seat today and get the video access to Releasing Triggers Somatic Healing Workshop today. The link is in the show notes.